0: Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Coming up, Chris Adams, a political scientist friend of ours. We'll get a campaign update from him. New polling federally as well that we'll talk about. Jeff Newman and Larry Harris will join us about First Contact, Season 2 on APTN Tonight at 7 o'clock. It's a great show. We'll talk about it. And also, global news reporter Merrick Takash. Merrick was at EPC Executive Policy Committee at City Hall today. More on the mystery group and the firings and suspensions in property and planning. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. And uh, speaking of the federal election campaign, joining us now... Uh, to chat about the campaign and the latest polling, Chris Adams. He is a political scientist at St. Paul's College at the U of M. Hello, Chris. Hi, Hal. Nice to be on your show again. Yeah, thank you very much. So what do you make of this new Ipsos polling? Basically, across the country, big picture, it's a dead heat between the Liberals and the Tories.
1: Yes, uh, 35% uh, for, for each of the two front-running parties. And what's noteworthy, too, is that the NDP is sagging at 14%. They need to get their numbers much higher if they're going to have an impact on the campaign. But I, I think that we've uh, we've gone into this federal election, and we Manitobans seem to be in a perpetual election these days, but we've gone into this federal election with the writ dropped last Wednesday um, you know the liberals ha- have come out of uh, the SNC Lavalin scandal with jo- Jody uh, Wilson-Raybould you know the issue there so I think that must be having an impact regionally in B.C. Um, but also, you know, uh, um, the issue of what's happening in Ontario with, with Premier Ford and the extent to which the Liberals can paste that with the Conservatives under Sheer. And then the question always is for the Liberals is will they uh, sweep or take much of, much of the province of Quebec, which is, you know, roughly, very roughly a quarter of the seats in Canada.
0: Interesting. Your friend Daryl Bricker at Ipso says... One of the things that's lacking here is momentum for one side or the other. It's just kind of carrying on. Yeah, I, I would say so. And, and uh, yes, uh, Daryl
1: Bricker and I go back to the Angus Reed days. We right. knew each other and also back at Carleton. I was his teaching assistant <laughs> back in the late 1980s. But uh, I think part of the lack of momentum is that the the, uh, the leadership of the parties, really people aren't enamored with the leaders. If you remember four years ago, Justin Trudeau was in third place and then he kind of caught on with the electorate as the campaign uh, proceeded. And and there was that sort of Fire going on with the Liberals, and then and then his victory speech of sunny ways. Um, much of that much of that aura around Justin Trudeau has disappeared, much like it did around his father uh, uh, in 1972 when the Liberals were only elected with a minority after the whole Trudeau mania period. Mm-hmm. And then Andrew Sheer, Andrew Sheer as you know uh, this is his first time as leader of the Conservative Party going into a federal election. I, I think the electorate still doesn't really know Sheer that much. Um, um so, so uh, I, I think that we'll learn more about him. And then Jagmeet Singh, you know, a lot of people don't know him outside of those in Ontario who knew him at Queen's Park as a fairly, you know, articulate and, and charismatic um, MPP or member of the provincial parliament. Parliament. So I I would say if any party kind of had a had a boost over the past six months, probably the Green Party, Elizabeth May. But I'm not so sure they'll have a big impact in this campaign.
0: Well, you mentioned Shear, He's in Winnipeg today. He's actually going to be in our building. That interview is coming up after four o'clock on the news with Richard Clucci and uh, Julie Buckingham, your friend Mm -hmm. Daryl Bricker at Ipsos. Back to him again for a second, because this is the new polling that we have. He feels like lav scam is baked in already because it, it hurt the Liberals a bit, but they seem to be coming back a bit now. He thinks if you were upset about it, you're still upset, and if you weren't, you aren't.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, Daryl's probably right in in that, and and it plays differently in different parts of the country, sure. especially... Um, if we're t- we're talking about SNC Lavalin, right? Yes, right. Um, I'm not used to the acronym, but uh, the in, in Quebec, you know, it actually plays among some voters to the favor of the Liberals because that's a large uh, that's a large Quebec-based company, and then BC has the very opposite effect in that Jody Wilson-Raybould was a very very well-respected regional minister in in BC. So so it plays out differently. I I think uh, Daryl's right that people kind of uh, uh, know where they are on, on that issue and how it affects their views of the of the liberals the other thing too is with regard to the indigenous vote and, and I'd say in Manitoba among the federal campaign um, in, in a few parts of Manitoba it might have an impact because some indigenous leaders will not be um, completely satisfied with, uh, with the liberals treatment of Jody Wilson-Raybould who is an indigenous person as well as a past uh, member of the liberal cabinet yeah. but also um, um, ha- have the liberals move fast enough on the TRC recommendations, uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission recommendations as well as on getting clean water and things like that. So, um, I, I have a suspicion that the voter turnout among uh, indigenous communities might not be as high as it was last time around. Quickly back to Shear. I'm sorry, I mean, you've got him as your guest. I would say, um, you know, he, he won that that leadership uh, against Maxime Bernier. He was not the front runner. Uh, Shear wasn't the front runner. So, he, he kind of came into that leadership with, with a little bit of momentum by winning it. He also, uh, you know, he was speaker of the house of commons is a very young man mm-hmm. so there's some skills that he has which i think uh, canadians aren't of which canadians are not aware and um, and i think some of that will come out in the campaign i'm not partisan but i but i think that he might surprise some people in a positive way during mm. the campaign so I, I think justin trudeau will have his hands full
0: or maybe in the tv debates we may get a side of andrew sheer that a lot of canadians haven't seen yet
1: that's right. And, you know, he went through a lot of debates as as uh, as leader candidate in, mm-hmm. in a, you know, there was a full crowd leading up to the leadership of the Conservative Party of Canada. So I, I would say that, that he's uh, fine-tuned his skills, and we'll see how he does in that leadership debate.
0: I've got so many questions, Chris. We're going to have to have you back soon, but I'll try and uh, narrow it down here to a couple at the end. Are we heading for a minority government? Do you sense that we might be heading for a minority government and the NDP and or the Greens will sort of be the... The kingmaker, so to speak? Well, you know, uh, political scientists, I've noticed over the past many years,
1: uh, predict a minority government when they don't know which way the wind's blowing. (laughs) And so, so, I mean, the last election, I don't know if you recall how a lot of political scientists were doing projections saying uh, Justin Trudeau will win a minority in the last election. And Uh only one of the seat projections that I saw had it uh, being a majority. So I, I, I think... I think it'll be a majority, and and one of the reasons why I think it'll be a majority is if the NDP uh, stay at a low number, that means there's room for for one of the other parties to grab a majority. Mm. I would say if the NDP start picking up um, um, some of its support back to where it was over the past 15 years, I would say then there's a good chance that a minority government and and um, as I might have mentioned before uh, some of some of us will remember Trudeau mania in the late 1960s that swept the country with this you know this very interesting political leader in the form of Pierre Trudeau and then the bloom was off the rose in 1972 for a number of reasons including the economy tanking so 1972 minority government for the Liberals and he turned to David Lewis the leader of the NDP so that might 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 happen again you know it might be sheer or justin trudeau turning to jagmeet singh or even the greens and saying can you lend us some of your seats for a majority or to Mm. keep our government going
0: yeah and final question if the polling holds up if this polling from ipsos holds up and manitoba west goes tory and ontario and quebec go liberal i don't like that scenario for the country for canada I, I agree,
1: and that was very much what the 1970s looked like. Uh, many of us will remember, I think, Axworthy was one of the few members of Parliament uh, at, during, during uh, um, a period of the Liberal reign um, in Canada. So it, it, it does bode ill if we've got regions represented by different, by uh, um, solid blocks for each of the parties. But, you know, we survived it before, we'll survive it again. Um, so And we, we would look to the provinces to... Um, to represent the regional interests if if, uh, the members of Parliament are all aligned up with with an opposition party. Chris, thanks a lot for this. Thanks, Hal. Have a great sunny day.
0: You cannot put a judgment on any culture that you know nothing about.
1: I've never been in a
2: place like this. It's hard to believe that this is still my
1: country. We were all labeled as warriors. That's been embedded into the Canadian psyche. We do not label them. When I break, I break. This is an uncomfortable
3: experience, having everything you know about your country being shattered in front of you.
0: Doesn't really hit home until you, um, you're there. Well, and we are going to talk to one of the people that went there... First Contact, Season 2, premieres tonight on APTN, 7 o'clock Winnipeg time tonight. This is Season 2, as I mentioned, and uh, Larry Harris was one of the participants. He joins us on the phone. Larry, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for doing this, and i got to take a second, Larry, before we start chatting, to introduce in-studio here with me Jeff Newman, one of the producers on this show. Larry, you probably don't know this, but I know Jeff as Mosey. Because when I started doing mornings on Power 97 in 1996 with my old pal BJ, BJ and Hal on Power 97, we came in and Mosey, Jeff Newman, was our producer and... And what were you, our producer, for about three days, right? <laughs> about that. <I laughs> about think, three days. then the so. Three great days, though. Yeah. Three it really you know, great it days. was fantastic, and <laughs> you're such a great guy and such a talent, and it's so wonderful to see that you've gone on to do such really important work. So I'm, I'm happy you. for you, and it's great to see you again, my friend. It's good to be here. Good to see you. Yeah. Let's start with you, uh, Jeff. Set the stage here. This is season two. I think the first season was so well-received, right? People were just blown away by this idea. Tell us about the idea, and then we'll talk to a leery about being a part of it. Sure.
4: Yeah, no, this this idea uh, was something that we did uh, last year, and we took six uh, non-Indigenous Canadians who had preconceived uh, opinions towards Indigenous people, primarily negative, and we took them on a 28-day journey around uh, Indigenous communities across Canada, and we challenged their viewpoints and basically sat them at a table from Indigenous people in their communities and had them talk. And it was amazing the results that came out of that, of being able to really just listen.
0: When this idea was pitched, I can just imagine the conversation, right? Because some people would be going, that's a great idea. And other people go, yeah, but what are, what's going to happen? Because it might not be good, right?
4: Sure. No, it is it's scary. It was a scary uh, thing to do. And I, I really applaud the communities that participated because um they had a lot to lose as well and 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 putting themselves out there and sharing their stories and uh opening themselves up like that was uh was was uh you know a frightening proposition so to be able to embark on that and of course our participants they didn't know at all really what they were getting into so seeing them put themselves out there it was a lot of trust on a lot of levels
0: so jeff says larry that you guys had sort of preconceived ideas of of what you were getting into where were you, before we talk about where you're at now, after the experience, where were you then going into this? Give us your thoughts on uh, on an Indigenous community going in there. Where were you before all this?
2: Uh, well, before all of it, um, of course, I had some stereotypical views of the average white guy and going into it, is that the Indigenous people, um, they could they could take better care of of the way they get jobs, they could take better care of their homes. Um, And I thought that they they just didn't seem to
0: want to blend with our society at all. And then after, after this experience, after first contact, what changed for you? Well, first of all, I
2: do have to thank Jeff and the crew for doing such an excellent job and allowing me to be part of it. Because it was truly a life-changing experience. And after that, I had answers to my misunderstandings of why the native community or a lot of people in the native community had such a hard time um getting involved into
0: the white man culture life-changing how did it change your life larry explain
2: well it's life-changing because as you mentioned earlier i went in with preconceived ideas i'm not and they certainly weren't right and that proved it out to me that Um, My goodness, all these things that I was brought up on and led to believe about the indigenous people, most of it was totally wrong. And so whenever I see somebody now, uh, a native, uh, no matter where they are, whether it's on TV or in real life, I see them through different set of eyes, more compassion towards them and understanding for sure.
0: That uh, did everybody, uh, Jeff, after the experience, come out like Larry, or, or did some people going out? Yeah, I w-, come out going. Yeah, I was right. Well, I don't want to give it all away. Yeah, but don't there, do there, that. There, yeah. there,
4: there were there were definitely uh, uh, you know ranges in terms of transformation, mm-hmm. but you, you have to understand with Larry going in. I mean, Larry was had a very very entrenched views, yeah. um, uh, you know, a very patriotic Canadian, and and this idea of saying, well, maybe some of the things that you've learned growing up and the things that you were taught weren't necessarily accurate, and and from from all sides of it. So yeah. just have just listen, listen to someone else's perspective and viewpoint. And that's really what this show is built on. It's really just having an opportunity to uh, listen to communities and from people that just rarely get a voice to be able to, to share their side of things.
0: Yeah. You know, Larry, one of the really rewarding things about doing this job is that I get to talk to people about things I don't really understand, right? I get to get right. answers yeah. to my questions. And uh, so that's been a great part of this job for me. Um, would you advise others to try and find the answers to those questions before passing judgment or deciding this is the way it is? Spend some time with Indigenous people. Spend some time in their communities, if possible, because I, I have found them to be very welcoming, and they want you to come and find out what they're all about, don't they?
2: They most certainly do.
0: There wasn't anybody I met
2: on this 28-day voyage of uh, of knowledge that didn't welcome myself or the other participants and who weren't open to answer any questions you may have so the interesting thing i had like you say you had questions you want answered once this trip was finished i actually had answers to questions that i didn't know existed in my head until i was on the trip
0: hmm. Like, what's the biggest very what, what, What's the biggest question that you didn't even know existed until after you went through this, and then give me the answer. What was the big question that you had no knowledge of beforehand, and then the answer that you found?
2: Residential school in my area.
0: So explain right. that a bit.
2: Um, I had heard about the residential schools quite a bit lately in the news, and uh, I paid attention to it in the news because I thought, oh, that, that sounds sad, but... And then all of a sudden we came to Brantford on our uh, trip and bang, there's one of the longest and biggest residential schools was smack dab in Brantford where I live. And that just blew me away. And then to go and see the, see the experience of going through the school, what happened in the school and speaking to survivors, just heart wrenching, totally heart wrenching. I couldn't believe um, that could happen in Canada. And wherever we went, the residential school topic came up. Not that we brought it up, but the situation was brought up uh, by those other people involved who allowed us to speak with them to explain why this happened in their lifetime. It was, it was very, very uh, thought-provoking and heart-wrenching for myself to learn about the residential schools and the effect it had on the Native community. Did you make new friends, Larry? Oh, certainly. I still I have people on uh, now on Facebook and everything. It's wonderful.
4: Larry Larry is very friendly. He's very engaging, and I he, can tell. he he would when he go into a community, you know, he would reach out and he would he would talk to yeah. everyone. So yeah, that was really cool.
0: Yeah, Jeff, you know, I got to tell you, I I am a reality TV fan. I like reality TV. Big Brother, like we're getting close to the end of Big Brother, right? It's it's yeah. entertaining. It's fun, but this is reality TV that could make a real difference, isn't it?
4: Well, it's something that we're really proud of because the the fact is is it's very entertaining uh, and and it and it draws in an audience that might not necessarily seek out this subject matter, but what it does is once you get into the actual show and the actual content, it's very real and and the 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 people, um, uh, the the stories that they share, um, the truths that they share are, are are on a different level. So you you really get this sense of wow, I'm really entertaining. I want to find out what's going to happen to these six people. Um, but along the way, you learn all this amazing information, hopefully by the end of the show, that it's helped maybe you reconsider some of the things that you've thought or, or maybe thought to be true that maybe aren't and, and might be inspired to look into it more and, and open your mind a bit.
0: Larry, thanks a lot for doing this. I really appreciate it. The pleasure's all mine, and
2: I hope it helps people uh, tune into the show. it will not only educate them, but it'll also entertain them about our country.
0: Excellent. Larry Harris, a participant in season two of the show First Contact. The season two premieres tonight on APTN at seven o'clock here in Winnipeg. And Jeff, uh, Jeff Newman, one of the producers, good for you, man. This is uh, you know, uh, you've gone on to do some some really cool stuff and, and this has to be one of your favorites. It has to be. I, I don't even need to ask the question.
4: Yeah, I know. It it is by far. It's a rare opportunity to be able to work with great people and and be invested in a show that uh uh, we all feel very strongly that it's going to have a positive uh, uh, help help shift the conversation in the right situ- you know in the right direction
0: and yeah. you know, it's something
4: we're very passionate about and, and it feels amazing and it's I don't know th- these opportunities don't come around very often so yeah. We're really happy with it.
0: Good for you. you. Uh, listen, I it's been a long time since I've seen you, but I have fond memories of our time together, albeit short, and yeah. it's really been fun watching you have a very successful career. Know that you've always got a spot here whenever you have something to promote because I think we need to uh, support uh, local talent like you more, and, and you and many others here are doing great work on television and movies right now. So anytime uh, you want to plug a show, my friend, you're here, okay? I'm honored. Thanks, Hal. Jeff Newman, producer. And again, that's tonight on APTN, 7 o'clock, season two of First Contact. Joining us here for just a couple of minutes, Global News reporter Merrick Takash. Merrick, look at that. You were on yesterday. I told you how much I liked you, and here you are on my show again today.
3: I like it, Hal. Back to back.
0: Yes. Uh, You were at EPC today, Executive Policy Committee. What can you tell us?
3: Well, Hal, uh... The report uh, that I'm sure most of your listeners are familiar with, uh, um, where the city found uh, a private investigator was hired by a group of anonymous people um, and uh, that confirmed that uh, numerous city inspectors weren't doing their jobs properly, getting, taking long coffee breaks, snow blowing, uh, going shopping, working out. That, uh, as we know, uh, resulted in eight people getting fired and seven getting suspended. Weeks ago. Today, um, the lawyer that re- represents those anonymous people was before EPC. Uh and and really, uh, the message he, Mr. John Persansky, uh, the lawyer for the mystery group, as I said, um, he, he he said he feels like more needs to be done. He said uh, p- eight people being fired and seven being suspended isn't enough. Um, I, I spoke with him r- directly after he presented the EPC, Hal, and he told me that he believes supervisors need to be uh, either reprimanded, fired, suspended, something like that, because. Right. Um, he said he was shocked that he feels no supervisors were affected in this.
0: Well, and that's what I keep hearing. When we talk about this, when the phone lines open up, when the text messages come in, when the emails come in, again Mm -hmm. and again and again, the listeners of this show say the same thing. Come on, management, or at least some of management, had to know this was going on. Are they going to have to be held to account? And, And so far we haven't seen that.
3: Absolutely. And I mean, Mr. Prostansky, the lawyer used terms like uh, blasphemous and, and and unbelievable, and um, it, it, it was actually quite the scene at EPC. Uh, Mayor Bowman started uh, peppering him with questions, trying to find out more about the anonymous group of people. Uh, Mayor Bowman asked uh, what these people do for a living, how many people are in this group. Um, Prostansky did not budge. Uh, we still don't know hardly anything about the group of people, but the message he was trying to get across was, was um to the city was he feels that who the people are or how many of them there are why they did this all of that shouldn't matter um he said the only thing that should matter is they help the city get to the root of this cause um and after speaking with uh st james councillor scott gillingham we should know more about this there's going to be a report uh uh, obviously there was a report reviewed today um that they're going to enact some changes in different departments the city has not yet officially said they are done with discipline. We should find more about that in the coming weeks, but they will revisit uh, the progress they made in the property and planning department um, in six months. So we should see another report then.
0: All right, Merrick, thanks a lot for this. We'll listen for more here on the radio and also we'll watch for your story on uh, Global News tonight. Sounds good, Hal. Take care. All right. Global News reporter Merrick DeCash.